What is up, everybody? Welcome back to the Few Podcast. And uh, we're going to be going into a lot of really interesting stuff today in Web3 news, hottest takes in the industry. Look at the new rundown on the left side. We're like, we're looking fresh here, boys. This is, this is really putting uh, the, my Alex and uh, my, the show that I did with Alex on Upstream to shame right now because uh, this quality. And I, we got to give props to Jackie in the background because he's really doing a great job. But uh, yeah, super excited, guys. How you feeling? How's everybody doing? Doing, doing well. Seeing that picture come up every single time for me uh, is a bit traumatic. Brings me back to like middle school and high school days, but uh, it's fun. <laughs> it makes me laugh every single time. You know, my lacrosse yeah. days were, were a, a distant memory. I think <laughs> I'm the, the only one who's not like... I'm pretty sure, uh, sure Dudas is using it on his LinkedIn there. profile now. Dudas, is using it on LinkedIn now? I am feeling wonderful to answer your first question. <laughs> I am not yet using it as my LinkedIn profile. I am still a crypto punk, but there, uh, I'm still a punk too. All right. But I, all right. I switch it regularly. And uh, <laughs> you guys are increasingly becoming a part of my identity. There you go. There you go. I love to see it. All right, guys. So today, what we're going to do is we're going to go through the rundown. Uh, I'm going to just, uh, I'll hit people up here so we can dig into different topics. Everyone as always jump in and, you know, share your opinions on each one. We'll try to keep each one to a couple minutes and then we'll probably do a deep dive on the, the, the ones that are really, uh, you know, kind of the, 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 the big topics today, which I think we're going to probably deep into dig into the, uh, NFT projects and swoops and some of the news going on there. And so we got a lot to talk about. Let's kick it off with something rather light, um, which is the Yuga, the tweet of the week, the Taub tweet of the week. Taub, you want to? Is that what we're calling it now? I don't know. Right now, I, I'm I, get, going. I get a tweet I'm of the week. week. Yeah. No. I like it. No. So uh, we want to have our own little segments. Uh, mine's going to be tweet of the week. I'm going to pick my favorite tweet of the week. And this one wasn't even a debate. This was the easiest, easiest one, to, I think, of all time even though this is only the first week doing it. And I think it is the BitBoy, boy, Armstrong, tagging his mistress in his divorce tweet. I don't think you can get any better than that. Um, and I will say that I think Ben, BitBoy, whatever he calls himself, calls himself now, basically the honey boo-boo of uh, crypto. Uh, I think if he's like a reality person, that he person that he is, he, he, and um, I just, I don't know. He is, he's just, uh, just uh, an unhinged tweet. Uh, and, uh, I think an amazing one. Anyone else, anyone else here? Any great tweets or anyone have any thoughts on this Ben Armstrong tweet? I mean, look, we've been talking about Ben for a while about how he's definitely going to jail. Um, and that hasn't happened yet. Right. Like launched Ben token. He raised just an unbelievable amount of money from just being a swindler and being really good at it. But the balls to include your mistress in your like divorce tweet is just, I mean, it is just an incredible amount of like gumption to have to be like, I'm, I'm, I'm going to swindle people out of their money. Like my wife, like you ain't getting, you ain't getting 50%. My mistress is going to get it and just throw it all in a tweet and be like, Hey, this is me. Like, it's just, the balls are just, I mean, yeah. balls of steel. Isn't that his business, right? Isn't, isn't his business and many others. It's about engagement and like, what are we talking about? What is everyone tweeting about? You want to get some engagement? Do some weird, shady stuff, right? Stream yourself getting arrested, tag your mistress. Like, part of me think he knows the game he's playing and he's actually playing it quite well. 
Yeah, I, I, here's my take on him. So first of all, I think he's probably the, um, I think he's like one of the definitions of why crypto gets a bad name. I have like a hot take on this guy. I think he's a disaster for Web3. Um, and I think that like, I see a lot of examples of this in crypto and, I, and I'm not like, I just like for some reason with him, it really bothers me. He seems like the kind of person that was not prepared to be able to capital to, for the type of success that he's realized in this space, which a lot of people in Web3 kind of come out of nowhere and become successful with a few good bets and and uh, uh, maybe the right timing and source some good content or just being controversial. Like some of the Twitter spaces I used to listen to from a lot of the speakers in the space, I thought were just garbage. And I just think that like, I, you know, and why I enjoy like us coming together is because everyone here is like working on um, kind of pushing Web3 forward in one way or another, whether it's through investment or through product or through building or through experimenting or supporting others. I just found that to be like the worst gossip rag of Web3. And it just bothers, it bothers me that, that people like that get such eyeballs because we're all fighting for attention here. And we're trying like in, in like, for me, I want attention to go to the right things. Um, and I just, you know, I think it's unfortunate that he, that he gets such attention in this space because it's just garbage. I mean, it's so much. Yeah. Garbage. I mean, ultimately he's, you know, he's irrelevant. So you know, he's not working on anything of you know, technological interest. He's not a builder. He's not an investor of anything credible. And you know, he's emblematic of the you know, boredom, frankly, I think of the community and, uh, you know, He's absolutely irrelevant to the next cycle. You know, he's trying desperately, and many, many folks like him are to sort of glom on to the things that are working. You know, yesterday some tweet, hey, you know, I'm the Sultan of Solana. Well, you know, the reality is, you know, 10 months ago, Solana looked like it had a chance to maybe be dead, you know, significant amount of downtime, you know, SBF and, and FTX exploding and serious questions about you know, how much value there would be in that ecosystem moving forward. And, you know, hundreds of thousands of developers have you know, basically rebuilt, uh, you know, that ecosystem over the last 10 months. And, you know, to your point of this guy not being important, you know, the 10 months of, of work and all the work that preceded that, of course, and building you know, valuable infrastructure and applications uh, just means that, you know, the attention seekers come back in, once the thing is is moving again, you know, Solana's price is up almost 4x from the lows of last December. Oh, and hey, here comes, you know, Ben Armstrong. I, yeah, the more we ignore it and, and make guys like this not the tweet of the day in the future, yeah, the better off. And, and I'm looking at like the list of topics that's coming up and the next one, you know, it's another- Is the next one follow It's another, you know, it's another it's group not, of jokers so, seeking attention by harassing builders. Yeah, so, so, so uh, who wants to touch on this one real quick? Just you be, go before we go into that one, Drew, uh, yeah. I just thought of this. I think BitBoy is the Kardashians of the Web3 space. No, because right? the Kardashians, like, no, no, the Kardashians build shit. Yeah, they, they, they build literally build shit. But when they started, it was just attention. They were building audience and then they became builders. Mm -hmm. He may, you know, may, maybe his new mistress leads him down the road of, of, of building uh, so, not a, compression, a compression men's outfit company to keep, you know, <laughs> keep it all in. Yeah. I think it's time to move on. You give us rider rips real quick. So again, this one falls into the same, same wheelhouse. I think it's just worth bringing up that like, I think it's a good, it's a good thing that we're seeing 
I think it was a good precedent that that whole rider rips and poly shit, they really got um, kind of taken to court, like taken to, you know, whatever, like taken to court, but also like, I think it's a $1.5 million settlement from what I understand that they now owe Yuga Labs. And that's also like some precedent to show about how IP will be treated because, you know, they, they also have to give up the smart contracts um, to the to the IP that they ripped off Board Ape. So they have to give up the smart contracts, pay the legal fees, pay $1.5 in damages. So, um, you know, I, what do you guys think about the, the, the IP ruling here? I, yeah. I think you guys know, like, I have a legal background. I, I always thought this was more serious than a lot of people took it, right? Like, forget all the talk on Twitter from Ryder and them. Like, this was a pretty big, but also like a straightforward intellectual property case. But it hadn't really, there was like one other case, I think around uh, Hermes um, and a derivative also successful. Um, I think this sets a real precedent. Now we haven't really seen anything around company or creator and NFT holder. I think there's probably some really interesting things. Now, maybe none of this is important anymore, um, mm -hmm. but I think there's some questions there around changing IP licenses like Moonbirds did, or around how far can you go by owning the underlying license of your IP. So something will come up there. But to me, this was absolutely necessary. The defense around this being satire, like never really held any water for me or for most people who had a legal background. Gotcha. gotcha. Okay. All right. So let's move on. I mean, I think it's just a, it was a good, it was a good quick, I was happy to see that the, that the right side won. Um, gonna skip future for NFT projects for a quick second because I think we should blend that with swoops when we go into that deep dive. Let's quickly talk about the the the, the crypto rally recently. I mean, Dudas, you just touched on Solana making a nice run. What do you think is driving the these this overall crypto run? I mean, I think we just can assume Bitcoin specifically is being run by is being driven by the ETF talk, and it seems like that's inevitable. I saw Jason Williams, I believe, I think uh, was it Jason Williams or what's his name again? Jason, um, the, uh, the big guy on Twitter with Bitcoin, I forgot his name, Jason something, but um, he said that he he heard it's supposed to be um, uh, confirmed within 24 hours. The ETF, I don't know if that's rumors or not, but um, you know, Dudas, what are your thoughts here? Uh, yeah, so I think that it's pretty clear that this is a you know, Bitcoin-led rally, right? Bitcoin's up more than 100% this year. And the you know, average investing public, it doesn't really discern still today very much between you know, Bitcoin and other crypto. Um, at current you know, low trading volumes, it really doesn't take a lot of, it doesn't take very many people you know, putting on positions, directional positions for these coins to move because the order books are so thin. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, you've seen over the last week and a half, you've seen Bitcoin move up and down, then back up on ETF news. And look, I've seen some people say the ETF isn't that big a deal. It's easy to buy Bitcoin. Anybody can do it. Yeah, I don't think that's the case. I think you, know, you put it in your grandma's brokerage account or, you know, somewhere where it's really, really easy to set it and forget it. And it's very, very different than buying, you know, on PayPal or Robinhood or places that I think are like more short term and speculative extra cash. So the ETF is a big deal. Um, and then, you know, other coins tend to rally when Bitcoin does. And so that seems to be what's happening. Uh, you know, I don't necessarily see it happening against any you know, major 
on-chain you know usage or you know demonstrable activity on-chain usage yeah. is pretty much at like annual yeah. lows uh that they've been at for a year plus and so you know i just think it's a mixture of the etf stuff combined with for example you know the sec losing uh you know, large parts of the xrp case you know so there's just some regulatory stuff We've, there's just so much bad news that had been coming out over the last year that it's starting to feel like some of that's priced in the one thing the last thing i'll say is the one thing that surprised me is that eth has not moved uh as much as the other tokens you know it, it's effectively it's basically i think flat you know over the past few months it's up a little bit more recently um i can't make recommendations on you know tokens and things of that nature but it's been surprising given that such a significant amount of developer activity um you know primarily infrastructure building since as we said you know, on-chain usage isn't up that much but just so much work is going into making the ethereum ecosystem more usable, more performant than it was last cycle, that it has surprised me that, that the token hasn't moved more. I actually think that like a quick thing I'll say about, I, I'm, I'm actually really happy that Bitcoin is the driver of this movement, movement and almost gets its time in the sun because like for a very long time, almost pretty much the entire NFT um, bull run, Bitcoin was like the forgotten stepchild for a minute, even though it's the one that really put us on the map here. And I'm gonna go beyond saying that it's just about the, um, the the ETF. The ETF is really big, don't get me wrong. And I think it's a major driver and it's gonna bring a ton of demand and, and access um, to Bitcoin to like traders like my, my father-in-law who only owned uh, Bitcoin through like a GBTC before or things of that nature. So like he never really was able, he never had a Coinbase account or anything of that nature. And this is an opportunity for people like that to get access to Bitcoin. But what I'm really excited about is I think this is also playing a, it's playing off of where we are as a global society, I think as well. When you have like such chaos and inflation and wars going on and like such like disarray, I think that that Bitcoin having its moment in the sun as this like trusted value of currency that can be trading cross borders that is not that is not one country ruling or one party ruling i feel like this is a moment for bitcoin to really get its due and i hope it does because like it's not always the most you know people tend to forget the shiny thing and bitcoin was the shiny thing for a while and then you forget it because you know it's went through its run already and i'm just i'm really happy that bitcoin is now having its moment because i think it's validating its core purpose which is to be this reserve currency to be this currency that's not going to be affected by by a one country's politics or one movement of a war etc so to me i'm i'm uh i just am i've been uh i've been I always have a monthly repeated investment in Bitcoin. I have my dad set up for that as well. It's one of those tokens that I just think is the type of thing that you should be accumulating with and do nothing with happily. Like, I, you know, by the way, is there anywhere, I was actually wondering about this, is staking a thing in the Bitcoin market, is there any way to like earn with the just like a safe, like safe earning strategy for Bitcoin? Do you guys know of anything like that? No, no, everyone's shaking their no, head. No. Yeah, well, there's certainly not staking. I mean, it's proof of work network. Uh, that's but... what I figured. But is there like anything that you can like? Is there like so any kind of, like, you know where we got into trouble last cycle? Is you know I think folks like yeah. Gemini and uh, yeah. folks like BlockFi might have said there was a safe place for you to. Uh, that's exactly right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. to get yield. Uh, yeah, in to get in the words of David Goldberg, 
where does it come from? <laughs> yes, yes. That's a David Goldberg classic line, which, by the way, we'll, we'll give you guys that story one of these days. But um, I mean, I think so, the other thing, Drew, yeah. with, with Bitcoin that's interesting and why the ETF is so interesting is like GBTC is the sucker's bet, right? Like you read the FTX document, you read like Luna, Three Arrows Capital, and they all talk about like trying to play this this premium game on GBTC and everyone losing, and it's just a bad investment vehicle, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, there's like point oh oh oh, you know, nine Bitcoin per share you own, something nonsensical, mm -hmm. and like it's just a bad, it's a bad trade, and it's a it's bad exposure into Bitcoin, and so this will allow kind of the mass market as a whole. And then especially, Drew, if, you know, I, I did uh, private wealth management as one of my first careers. And what you just said, Drew, is like retirement strategy, right? Yeah, like I, you I buy it and you hold it. And if you're thinking that, then it's 401k strategy. And if it's 401k strategy, you want to look at the ETS with the lowest amount of fees and like that's where it becomes really interesting where you'll have retail investors investing in bitcoin like they do in vanguard 2060 funds and 2070 that's a very fair point very fair point and i also think that you know dudas you were saying how you're surprised that eth didn't follow and actually i think it's the the perfect thing that eth didn't follow because eth is supposed to follow when utility is driving it and like you said utilities at all time lows on chains so like, if you really think about each currency and what it's meant to be doing and what should be driving its value, Bitcoin was made to be driven, but to be increasing at a time like this in this world. Ethereum with no utility and no adoption really shouldn't be moving as much unless it's just pure speculation. Whereas I will say, I think actually Solana has an opportunity right now because with the fact that like, there, um, the low, the fact that people are starting to realize that there, there's no gas fees there, and they're still looking for a layer one, but they're still looking to do some activity because markets are so low and the transactions are cheaper. You know, when you get that three dollar or four dollar gas fee, um, it hurts more than when it used to when we were making thousands of dollars and buying things for tens of thousands of dollars. But when it's when the transaction sizes are smaller, those gas fees you feel them a lot more. So I think there's actually an opportunity for Solana. Um, and some of the layer two chains like Polygon, et cetera, I always kind of like loop those in together because I think all of them are trying to capitalize on the, the gas, like the gasless, if you will, um, you know, on-chain activities. But there's, there's a moment right now for those type for those types of, those chains to capitalize on a lower activity, um, on-chain market and then Bitcoin having its role. Alex, what are your thoughts on what's going on with this crypto rally right now? Yeah, I mean... I've, a lot of coins are obviously Pepe's up like crazy, um, but that's all just spe all just speculation. You know, Alex, I mean, Alex, you're still um, you're echoing, but yeah, yeah, you might want to you might, might want to sign out and sign back in. All right, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll come back. To, I'll you can yes, Dave. So, what are your thoughts like in terms of? Are there well, first of all, you know, we've talked a little bit about Bitcoin, a little bit about Ethereum, a little bit about Solana. Um, are there other tokens that you're paying attention to? Like the other one that I've been excited about, and I'm always conflicted kind of, is uh, Link. I, I think Chainlink's been one of my longest holdings. 
Um, just because, and I don't even, and I can't even tell you, I'm not someone who's super like, I don't fully understand its complete tokenomics. I've always struggled with a little bit about how it accrues value to the token. I, I hold the token and invest in Chainlink personally because I believe it's such a strong demonstration of a product, uh, a product that's done, that's created value to the blockchain ecosystem that I like want to support it. I want it to thrive. And I know they've done some corrections and developments to the token uh, over the recent years and introduced staking and things of that nature. So it's definitely like, it's not a, it's not an ignored factor, but I don't, I actually don't think that Chainlink has realized the full value on the token side as the, as the value of its protocol and product to the blockchain. Um, so, you know, David, there are other, uh, you know, what is your thoughts on the rally right now? Are there any other tokens that are in your pur purview? The, to me, it's almost all a non-event, right? I, one, I have never really invested heavily into any non-Bitcoin or non-Ethereum tokens. And most of that is just from a lack of knowledge and where I wanted mm -hmm. to spend my time and, mm -hmm. you know, uh, I don't believe in sort of investing heavily without an advantage or without knowledge. And so, you know, I never went deep into the Solana ecosystem, so it's no judgment kind of positive or negative. I'm more of a long-term buy and hold, was never much of a trader. We can talk about some small little catalysts here, even around Bitcoin. I think it's insignificant. Like to me, this is all part of the natural peaks and valleys. And like, we almost need to have this conversation three years from now five years from now, 10 years from now. Hopefully we um, will be on the few podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully we will on the few podcasts. Uh, okay, Alex, how are you doing right now? Let's check, your, let's check your mic. All right. Is my audio a little bit better or no? Mic check one, two. You're looking good. You're looking good. Let's roll. All right. A little bit better? No, I just, um, I was talking about uh, meme coins. You know, obviously they were part of, it felt like it was Bitcoin and meme coins, uh, but that's all speculation. I mean, listen, I think I spend most of my time in Ethereum. So it's been a non-event this past week. And I just, I'm, I'm, I, I think it's, this is actually a good segue into like the future of NFT projects, because mm -hmm. I think as I start to think about that stuff, um, whether it's for truth or whether in general, I just think a lot of people have smartened up and they're like, I'm not just going to buy this JPEG for no reason. There needs to be something behind it. Right. I think that gone are the days where, you know, it's, it's either art or it is something that is, um, you know, there is a there there. And for most things, there's no there there. Right. It's just like, hey, here's a fun photo and we're going to go and take the money and, and do whatever we want. And I think a lot of people are smart, smarting up. And that's why the volume's crazy down and all that stuff. So uh, I think that's I'm more of an NFT side my brain less than like the i never really dug into like the coins i mean i was early bitcoin stuff but i just i didn't i didn't um i wasn't i'm not like a big like i analyze all the charts and stuff like that it's just not my game yeah, so i don't I have like it. strong thoughts so, on it okay so let's actually like make that transition so before i make we make the transition to nft projects first i'll give everyone a little context you know all five of us up here have had exposure to the nft business in one way or another you know alex obviously with truth and goblins goldberg with swoops myself with knights of degen dudas with um linksdow and a noob working across nifty and now sui um so like every one of us have had close exposure to the nft business and market um this is a very crazy time. And, and Dudas, you know, you and I both came up into venture 
in 2021, which is which was the craziest time to probably come into venture. Um, period. I, I think unless especially if you're in the Web3 world. Uh, it was like a frothy, frothy market. Everyone was throwing capital at everything. Valuations were through the roof. Businesses were going crazy. Um, and then, it, it, like in any other hype cycle, and I, you know, personally, I've been through the Google Glass hype cycle, hype cycle, the AI chatbot hype cycle, the the crypto DeFi hype cycle, now the NFT hype cycle. I, I tend to gravitate towards frontier technology, obviously. Um, but then there was that period where everyone waits and bees like, well, where's now? Now where's the there? Like Alex just said, and what people you know tend to not realize is there's a development period. There's a period where there needs to be experimentation, there needs to be failures, there needs to be iteration, there needs to be like uh, uh, there needs to be a uh, a loop where there's iterations and cycles. And um, in this market, it is a very different beast to have that publicly because everything you do here is very public. Whereas in the past, you can build through these hype cycles and kind of stay to yourself a little bit. And then you find out all of a sudden, oh, they didn't make it or they did make it or whatever. So I guess uh, let's talk a little bit about, you know, Mike, what are you seeing from both, you, you and I both have two different lenses. Actually, you know, David does too. We have three different, we all have two different lenses. There's the operator lens and the investor lens. Now, Mike, first tell me your perspective. Where do you, how do you see what's going on in from, from those two different perspectives? How do you like, how are you uh, experiencing this? Yeah, so um, historically, I have not viewed, and we have not, you know, Six Ventures Ventures as a firm, viewed NFT projects as, you know, the large, like the vast majority of them as VC investable uh, businesses, right? So the whole point of, of a lot of any NFT that isn't just art, you know, the ones that have basically portrayed themselves as utility projects or communities that you know will align around uh, doing something you know they basically said look you know purchase the nft it, it gives you membership or again you're part of a community with with yuga it was a, you know we're going to have a game and you know we're going to have events and you're going to get to come to all these things you know the board api club stuff but you know to me like that was Okay, you sell an NFT, you get a treasury, uh, and then yeah, that's basically capital that you know, can be used uh, for corporate purposes and also you know, to the benefit of the NFT holders is, is how a lot of these you know, projects painted it. That's very different, by the way, than to your point, how in previous call it hype cycles or just you know, in any sort of a traditional company, people view the relationship between the company and the quote unquote customer. Like when um, you know, somebody sold you a Beanie Baby, you know, you're buying a product and, and you held it and you didn't basically go back to the your person who sold you the Beanie Baby and say, hey, why is the price going up or down or this, that, or the other thing, right? Um, so that has happened, however, in this quote unquote Web3 space because the promise of many of these NFT projects was, hey, we're Web3, you know, wag me, GM, you know, we're friends, F-R-E-N-S, and like, let's all you know, build and do awesome things together. So what happened, so basically, I think I'm commingling the two questions that you asked me. So from an investment perspective, it was never clear to me how this was an investable area, the projects themselves. Now the marketplaces, we invested in a bunch of NFT marketplaces from Magic Eden, you know, the rareable, the super rare. And, you know, I think many of those will turn out to be fantastic investments in the long run. The 
Uh, but the projects themselves, uh, it, it's been really difficult to assess what they are. And frankly, uh, it's I think they're harder to run and harder, you know, having done it you know, myself and many here have, than call it a traditional business where you're selling a product to uh, a customer. With links, we said at the outset, terms of service, how we pitched it, you're, we are selling you an NFT. It's a collectible, but it does represent all of these perks and benefits, your ability to purchase a membership in this golf club, and the ability to vote on a number of things about how we run you know, this company. Uh, pretty straightforward. Not how many people hear it. And by the way, we've been successful. Like we bought a golf course. We've given people perks and benefits. Our community is largely happy. Um, but I've seen other communities that I believe explained the value proposition very clearly to their customer base slash community and where it hasn't been received as well. And so what happens is, is it makes it really, really difficult uh, to, as you said, you know, you're building in public, you're building with a customer that no matter how many times you tell them, you know, that they're a customer that, you know, your success is tied to their success, that you care about them, that you're doing everything you can to give to them. They, in many cases, I've seen communities here we're owners. You know what I mean? We're not customers. We're owners. We own this business. How dare you? Uh, and again, we haven't had this issue, but how dare you, project founder, pay yourself like a living wage? Like that's our money. We gave it to you. So it's, it's I think, been a mixture of poor, you know, certainly projects have messaged poorly in, in some cases. Um, communities are down bad. Like they bought assets and speculated on things that even in cases where they were specifically told these are not speculative assets. Um, and yeah, we're at the bottom of a bearish market with liquid assets that are globally tradable that ultimately we're seeing in hindsight, no matter what, you know, project leader said about what they were building. Uh, many people just heard, Hey, here's a thing that's tradable on OpenSea or blur. Uh, and you know, I'm going to buy it and then I'm you know going to flip it. And then when they got kind of stuck, almost in the communities because there was no liquidity or they were down on price. Um, the quote unquote vibes change. It's been really wild and illustrative to watch. I think what's more interesting after everybody else comments is to talk about, and maybe it's for a different show, what comes next? And, and actually, I think we've learned a lot over the last two or three years about where, uh, you know, NFTs where an engaged community can be additive uh, versus, you know, taking perhaps away value or making it more difficult to execute on a roadmap. Uh, Drew, you're on mute, but <clears throat> kind of touching. I knew a question for you really quickly. Do yeah. you think part of the reason why projects feel the need to um, to promise like this is partly because of the fact that you're buying a digital asset. And the, the idea of buying a digital asset is very new from buying that physical Beanie Baby or buying that physical membership to a club. Do you think the fact that you're buying this digital JPEG and people feel like, hey, you could right-click this, so ownership has to mean more. Do you think that has something to do with why these projects feel the need to over-promise almost to make it something more tangible than it really is? Um, definitely. Uh, I think right because you can immediately buy and sell, um, and then the introduction of kind of trading platforms that allowed you to look at these assets that are art-based, but also then a financial asset, 
they treated them as financial assets, not as art, right? And so then you had two separate groups of individuals trading these assets for different reasons. And the, you know, the, the NFT project owners were trying to cater to the people who wanted to look at it as art, mm -hmm. but then had to defer and care about the people who like were trading it as an asset. Mm -hmm. And that created, you know, these conversations of like, you have to maintain the floor price. Like you should be using treasury to buy the floor. You have to maintain the floor. And right, that conversation changed the nature of these like communities. And as Dudas was saying, was changing the vibes of it, right? Because all of a sudden it was like, we're here to have fun. We like these, you know, mm -hmm. looking at like gutter cats as an example. Mm -hmm. We kind of talked mm -hmm. about that last week, right? Like gutter cats were meant to be like a vibe, right? And mm -hmm. there was a vibe for a long time until they kept not doing anything. They kept not innovating in any way, right? Just like copying board apes can't be your entire strategy. And then the price kept going down. And then all that was on Twitter was like, this shit is going to zero, right? And there was almost nothing that the founders there could have done to save that project because they created that loop of conversation about how the project was doomed outside of selling it, right? Mm -hmm. Like they even did like, they they did some innovation, right? They did like a Lamello drop, and they worked with Puma, and it was kind of a, you know, a, a decent commercial that, activation. It, it, that just happened to be released, I think, at the wrong time because that entirely, was entirely, entirely yeah. right. But it was it was at the wrong time in their hype cycle as well, right? Mm -hmm. Like they didn't tell their audience why they were doing it, what they were doing it for. It was kind of like, oh, you guys aren't doing fuck all. And at yeah. the tail end of that, like, oh, cool, we've got this Puma partnership now. Right. And no one was interested in spending more money on buying Gutter Cat branded products, right? Like, I don't know about you guys, like two years ago at Art Basel, we were all wearing merch, right? Are you guys walking around in your Gutter Cat hoodies right now? Or I your uh, Tom Sachs, right? Like I will, Tom I will Sachs, tell you, I have, I have about a dozen, I have about a dozen artifact sneakers right now in my house. Yeah, <laughs> I got a mass shipment. My wife wanted to fucking kill me. I mean, look, I've got the Fimo sneaker case there, right in the totally background. Got right up there. I got but right like, Drew, no one's Drew, asking about it anymore. Drew, you're, Drew, you're gonna tag your wife. Uh, you're gonna tag artifact in your divorce tweet. When, uh, <laughs> when okay, so let me let me also bring this up. Well, first of all, to, to what Anoop was saying, and then also do this. I, I find this. I you know I had this debate recently on Top Shot, which was like, um, does it is it should it be more than just a sports card? I personally believe that it's the best digital collectible uh, for sports, sports card collectible. I don't think it has to be anything more. But the fact that it is digital, it does have the potential to be more, and that's what people want from it. But like for me, if it's a scarce digital sports card, that is enough for me to be wanting to collect it. Now, Alex, I want to talk a little bit about your sure, experience. Just adding in, though, yeah. you go to physical card like shows. You buy yeah. – like if someone walks through your house – and it's I and like I preferred a I preferred seven year old digital. playground of totally. like little like little like figments and and I'm characters and I'm, cards. I'm an absolute I'm an absolute collector. Most people you. don't do that. They have like their baseball cards or basketball. Even I had baseball and basketball cards, and they're in some box underneath the bed at some. One of the but beds. It, I mean, the big difference. The big difference here is that they're in a box. Whereas, you know why? Because there is no place you could sell those. Whereas on Top Shot, I can do one click and sell them right now. Right now, without a shadow of a doubt, sell every moment I have. I mean, I've seen many people do that. Like so. So there is that element of 
the ability to be able to transact digitally around these cards, I think it's important. Gober, what are you thinking here? I know you have Yeah, this. so it, I had this really, so I, I was like you, Anoop. I collected cards, you know, as a youngster and they sat <laughs> for 30 plus years in, in folders and until I took them out uh, during the pandemic. I went about six months ago, and I remember I was telling a couple of y'all to to like one of these physical card shows. Um, and it was just really interesting to see the type of person and like the feelings that were being evoked. I hear you, Drew, 100%. Like there are practical reasons why digital makes sense. You can't lose them. They can't get damaged. They're liquid. They're easy to sell. But one of the things that you lose with them Two of the things. One is like the natural scarcity, right? Like nowadays with digital, everything is manufactured. This is the one of one. This is the of 99. And because of those advantages, you don't get the, there were a lot of these, but they were damaged or they were thrown away or, you know, they weren't stored properly, which creates this really interesting scarcity. But Dave, that does, come, other, with, that does come with time because I would not be surprised if after a few years from now, people start to bit. lose their wallets, die, get like yeah, stuff. But, but in the same way, like so much of the card collectibles is around mint condition, which, which just doesn't exist in digital. The other thing that I found really fascinating, which is sort of the antithesis of like, there's a marketplace I can go to and find exactly what I want, which is awesome. What people were going to the show for was the thrill of the hunt. How do I find something, right? It's like vintage like clothing that. shopping. I you don't that. go to Bloomingdale's. You go I to the vintage that. shop to find the needle in the haystack, which is just something like I found this random card of two Miami Hurricane basketball players that people probably don't even know about. And I was like, oh, my God, that was my holy grail. And like, if that was just on a digital marketplace, it wouldn't be interesting anymore. So I, I see both sides of it. Okay. So quickly, Alex, I wanted to touch on this because I think you had a, a unique experience to everybody else up here was, so like what Mike was saying is like the links DAO people are overall happy. Like they, they said what they were going to do and they delivered. I actually say very often the Knights of DGen community is not one that overly complains, never, because we, we said what we were going to do and we really delivered. And we brought a community of people together that loved to do these things together. And everything we said we were going to do, we delivered on. Now, here's the big material difference between our world and yours specifically. Our projects, at least, uh, at least my, I can say for mine especially, never ran to 80 pennyth, whatever it was yeah. for NFT. And um you did. And that's not and, and, and that's not necessarily a blessing and a curse. Blessing and a curse. And I think this happened with Top Shot and it's happened with others is that like projects and the creators are blamed for the oh, for people that have purchased your asset and NFT in an open and free market at a higher price. And I'm yeah. struggling and I and I wonder like what what is there? How do you even protect against that, prevent that? Or like, is it just the way of the world? Like, how do you deal with that? Yeah. So that's yeah. A crazy thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's funny. The team internally calls me the their pain sponge from everyone who like hates. So anyone who like complain, I'm the pain sponge for, for Gray and Caesar. I get all me the too. I get all the hate. Um, but no, I, I think, you know, listen. It's funny, like we're we're one of the only projects out there that literally promise nothing. Um, we promise nothing. We said there's no roadmap, there's no utility, there's nothing. Um, 
And even, even Illuminati, there wasn't a roadmap, right? The only thing we said is 50% of it's going to go to the Dow. The rest is going to go to just building this universe we're building. Um, so we, we sort of from the jump said that, but, but like Duda said before, like nobody listens to that, right? No, everyone, uh, everyone in this space, no matter what you actually say, all they care about is floor price and price go up, right? 95% of people are here to make money. That's all they care about. There is a 5% that care about the community and the art or something, et cetera, et cetera. But most people are here to make money. And I always make this like crude joke to people when I talk about it as like, just to give you like an extent of how people think about it. If there was an NFT project that was literally a flaming bag of shit, right? And that was like a visual of a flaming bag of shit. And you got different generative flaming bags of shit. Um, you, you uh, and, and there was a tennis floor and there was volume. People would be like, this is the greatest shit I've ever seen in my entire life. They'd start groups like the Pooh Crew and they'd make memes all day. And um, thanks, John. Uh, and so they, they, and by the way, just for people that don't know, that was someone who used to be a big fan that now hates us said that we are emotional curse led, led by devils. Uh, <laughs> so we've seen it all. That's a real thing. That's like a meme that's in the community. So the people that are still in the truth community love it because this is like, it's fun. They're goblins, you know, or they're into like secret society stuff. But um, anyway, so I just, I think just the, the, the poo thing is like, it just shows to like the absurdity of the space, right? Like they'd, they'd have poop, poop memes and they'd call themselves the poo crew and whatever. And if the volume started going down, they'd be like this, this, project sucks or stinks or whatever so the point is is that just like like you said before like no matter what you say whether you say the project like literally give it for free people trade it right um then they'll just blame you right because what ends up happening in this space right there's two sides there's the creators right who your number one goal as a creator is to pick the right supply and sell out. So whether you're charging or you're, you're making it free, that's your, your goal. And then once you sell out, because you're, you're dead if you don't sell out. Once you sell out, you want volume because if you're doing interesting things, right, and you're trying to, um, you know, uh, do something that like, you know, whatever mi your mission is, you want as much money as possible to actually go and do that mission. On the flip side, you've got people who are buying, right? Their goal is to get on the, the allow list or, you know, learn about the thing early. The price goes up. They hit some 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 high, right? They either sell it or they keep it. People buy the top. People catch knives on the way down. And then what you're left with is a community that either is mad at themselves, they're mad at you, and uh, you're just not in the same lifeboat. So my last thing, and I know that we want to move on to the next topic, is just um, I think the big thing that needs to be solved and something we're thinking about a lot right now around this is where is the value like that's going to be created from the work from any team? Right, like yeah. who's getting the value? Right, like for example, Azuki made had an amazing summer. They made forty million dollars, but that value was basically taken from their community and gave it to them. Where is the value going, and 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 how can you get your community as part of that value? Um, because people going mainstream, like Doodles, could be the next Pixar, but that doesn't mean my Doodles going to be worth anything, right? So that's the big thing that I see that needs to be solved, and it's something we're actively working on right now. So. All right. Um, so let's do a deep dive right now. Um, Dave, there, you know, obviously the, the news this week, which was, you know, 
obviously unfortunate for everybody because you know either we're fans or collectors or players or whatever um you know swoops is you, you, you i mean i guess dave you can you can go through it yourself but you know swoops was announcing that there were some financial uh challenges with the fundraise and it's an uncertain future uh let's let's dig in um and maybe even start by giving us a little context on what swoops is for those who don't know Sure. Uh, and full disclosure, some of, some of the wounds are still a little bit fresh. I can be pretty open, but there's probably just a couple small topics that that I probably okay. shouldn't get into on a on a live show. Yeah. Short version is we created Soups give or take two years ago um, to really rethink um, sports and gaming, leveraging NFTs and blockchain technology. So it sat somewhere in between esports, fantasy sports, where it was a simulation run game and it still is where our owners own the underlying unique one of one players who develop and change over time to participate in simulated contests you know head to head tournaments um you know in what looks a little bit like you know my 2k or some of these like gm manager modes but with real money at stake and and real one of one assets yeah. you know we we came out of the gate, I'd say, doing pretty well. Like our goal was never growth at all costs. We wanted to prove early on that there was demand in what we did, that we had high retention, high engagement. I think we were actually very successful there. You know, we we have hundreds of owners who love playing swoops and, and candidly like love each other in the community. And I know that word gets overused. Where we struggled really for a while was one, like, okay, how do we turn that into a real business as the NFT market around mints and secondaries changed? And then two, how do we scale that up to tens of thousands, ultimately millions of users? And, you know, I think the issues there that many companies and projects are having, one you just, is- you just, By the way, you just named the two issues that are probably the most uh, common issues across every Web3 project in the space right now. And- really needs to be dissected at a deep level, which yeah. and I'm going to name another one too, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. which is right. Like, and this is also sort of like, you know, not just a web three problem, but anything that is about like a small group of like people or premium, right. Think about like elite dating sites. They're really, really hard to scale because then you lose what made it special, which was this like eliteness. Um, so for us and for a lot of web three projects where early on it's about financials and it's about the whales. And for us, it was players and teams that were worth and sold for thousands of dollars. For us to get successful, it also had to be super successful. And you needed to have assets that were worth only a couple of dollars or maybe a way for people to play for free. Having the mechanisms and ecosystem where you can cater to free to play players, whales, and everything in between is very, very tricky. And, and candidly, I'd say we never fully figured that out. Mm -hmm. And so, okay, let's talk about um, what is... Wait, Drew, can I say something? Because yeah, uh, I, I, uh, I beat you so many times at Swoop, so I think I have the <laughs> right to say something here. Um, I've always wanted, I honestly, and I, I think I told you this, Goldberg, like I've always wanted to not necessarily set and forget, but I would actually pay money to like, have a simulation of my team that like gets to just play like open active games and like i don't know legally if you could like put money in and then like there could be earnings from that but i would pay a certain amount per month to just automatically be setting up my team using i and i can like come in and fix things if i want to um and then be entered into competitions that maybe they're cash prizes for 
I'd pay money for that because I, I liked it. I, the only thing that always stopped me was like, I would always just forget that I got to like actually manually set up each single game. Against yeah. Somebody. So you're, you're hitting on another issue with, with gaming, which is like, some yep. people have money, some people have time, very yep. few have both and the desire to play all the roles. And so there's worlds. Um, Axie Infinity did this decently well, at least early on, where you bifurcate those roles. That is one of, that is a, a huge challenge because, you know, even think about uh, Alex with us with Zed Run, like we bought tons of horses and it wasn't like you and I were the most active racers. A lot of our horses actually are unraced, unbred. And then eventually we actually hired someone to manage yeah, race and breed. Yeah, manage race and breed our horses. So, you know, for, for it is a very, the, the, uh, to me, it's actually in a conflict of Web3 in itself right now. Is that, and this is part of what I think, this also goes back to what, you know, Dudas was saying earlier, like what comes next? Well, right now, NFTs are starting to transition to gaming. You know, if you look at Bored Apes, gaming. Knights of Degen, gaming. Um, uh, you know, Truth and Goblin Town, gaming. You know, there's a lot of uh, swoops, gaming. So there's a lot of gaming going on right now because we feel that that is the evolution, the natural evolution of Web3 IP. Problem is, is that the participants in Web3 are not gamers. They aren't. They're not gamers. They're speculative traders. They're investors. Um, they're, they're collectors. That's who's in Web3 right now. And so all this talk of I want utility is really just I want my price to go up. And utility is what I think everyone else wants. So let's create, let's, so let's make all this stuff so that there's things to do. Now, the problem is I don't think that actually marries up to the user. So in the next wave of web th of, of the next wave of web three, and I call wave one DeFi. Well, I call wave one just like speculation of you know. There's like there was DeFi, there was the ICO bubble, then there was DeFi, then there was NFTs. My personal opinion is the next big wave will be gaming, but the gaming needs to come from outside in because the outside ecosystem has to be brought here, not because of the the, the Web3 native experience, but they need to become here because they learn from the, the, the IPs that they'll follow anywhere, that they'll play anywhere with top tier games and then, and then that they're fully invested in no matter what, bring their IP on chain and then they realize that they, they can earn and buy things, et cetera. And then that could unlock the, the user base that is actually does that is actually will actually appreciate the efforts of these current web3 projects that are trying to build experiences that are digital in nature so unless i'm missing something and maybe there's something to be said for the, like gaming isn't the natural extension i i mean when you think digital and digital experiences gaming is the inherent obvious direction but like you know i don't know so what what is dave if i go back to you for a yeah. second what do you think the big vision of so, Swoops is? Like, where do you see it? Let's say financing comes in, everything works beautifully. Five years from now, what would Swoops look like to you in that world? It, so one, one of the things that we talk about is rethinking sports from the ground up, right? Like all the sports that we know about are 100 plus years old, right? And, and they're very institutional and they are the way they are and they have this great tradition but if we rethink what current customers want and the young generation, right? It's digital, global, snackable in terms of time and length. It's communal, it's accessible. And so we envisioned a new digital 24 seven sport 
where there was not so much of a bifurcation between owner and fan. And it was super accessible where anybody can own and control their own franchise, whether it was for a couple dollars or for millions of dollars. And now the controversial statement that I'll make is in the current form, I don't think we need Web3 to fulfill that vision. And if we can go back 12 months, 24 months, we would not build this as a Web3 product. It's not ready. Hmm. And do you think when you say that, do you say it more as the consumer market isn't there or the fact that the technology, uh, the, that ownership as a concept isn't required? The reward does not outweigh the risk. And, and when I say risk, I'm talking maybe the upside doesn't outweigh the downside. And we talked a little bit about this last week, right? Like for certain people, like being able to see the provenance on chain and maybe there's interoperability. But my perspective is gaming is a centralized environment, right? So like you're never in this fully permissionless world, right? We're in gaming where the assets, the games, the communities, the rules, the prizes are all dictated by a central ecosystem, right? Dapper controls Top Shot, controls future challenges, controls future supply. What and is so like any of, is there an example of any truly decentralized permissionless concept? Like everything has some kind of circuit, have some I kind mean, of- You could probably say something like Bitcoin, right? Which sort of set a supply and it was all- Probably the only one, almost the, the only one. Maybe the only one, I guess you'd say. And even that has a group of people that are still involved in, in the development of it, if I'm not mistaken. Like, Mike, what do you think here? Do you think there's anything that is that reaches the the idea or definition of permissionless and truly decentralized at this current point? Or like he said, Dapper Labs runs Top Shot. You know, like every, every Axie Infinity, there is a company that builds that game and decides the mechanics. Like everything has some kind of organization or leadership involved. And get, to, to go deeper, gaming by definition needs to evolve always, right? And so outside of maybe like a Roblox or a Minecraft where the users are really there building games on top of it, like mm -hmm. our game needed to change. Our players need to develop. We needed to add new players, new features. And so it was never truly open and permissionless. And so I don't know the advantages that Web3 really gave us. To be honest, that's, why, that's that's what I'm trying to lay up Mike for. So Mike, like, yeah. So uh, yeah, look, I, I said this you're, last. You're the, yeah, yeah. Go with it. We had the same conversation, and look, it's going to take time for any. I mean, forget forget like gaming with its complexity of you know the economy and the design and how much you know centralized work needs to go in today. You know, given the tools and the infrastructure we have to actually create a playable game. Uh, so, you know, no, it's gonna take a long time before we see kind of like truly autonomous uh, mm. games. That's, I think, the word. You know, that's the word, that will, that's the word right there, yeah. Yeah, and you know, we're not even seeing truly autonomous and permissionless finance right now <laughs> in most cases, you know? Uh, I think we're moving in that direction, but like the, the prime example would be Maker, uh, which has the stablecoin die that's an over collateralized stablecoin that you know, originally was viewed as decentralized. It is governed by a DAO, but you know you have whales in that DAO with outsized influence, and uh, most and the collateral increasingly is moving towards permissioned assets like you know the USDC stablecoin. So I think, look, 
I believe deeply in the notion of permissionless finance. I think you know, the Bitcoin blockchain and, and Bitcoin, the asset itself, are, uh, are probably the you know, absolute best example of that. Ethereum yeah. you know, being the second best. But as you get to the application layer, uh, I think we're still pretty far in even permissionless finance, never mind in gaming, where the complexity is significantly higher. Dave, can you talk about the challenges challenges on the fundraising process? Like, what are what is sure. the reaction of investors into to to this whole space right now? Yeah, well, I, so I think listen, there's a couple investors on this call, so I'm not saying anything new mm -hmm. here. There's two things happening at once that make it 50x harder. Number one is the entire capital markets of startups and venture capital investing have gone away. I mean, there are Web two companies, SaaS companies that raised at two big valuations, can't grow into it. They're shutting down. There's fire sales. What used to be a series A milestone is now probably a series B milestone or, or the other way around. So you need to do more with less, even with like the same demand. Now you take an ecosystem where all those things are true. And I would say 80% of the demand, now whether it was authentic demand there or maybe just imaginary, has also gone away. It's gotten a lot harder to get people to experiment with a new Web3 product, to hold on to it, to buy into it. You put those two things together and it's really, really hard to hit not only the milestones that you set out at the beginning, but now actually ones that are much, much harder than you laid out at the beginning and to do it with less resources. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so we're seeing yeah. consolidations and shutdowns, you know, with companies with, you know, an extra zero or two at the end of what Swoop's ever had. Right. I think yeah. board eight is, is a perfect example. I don't think anybody knows what that's really going to look like and how they grew into a $4 billion valuation. Anoop, so you work on the chain side of things or like you're, you're, you're like your, your focus is on the chain side of things. What are you, when you're talking to companies that are trying to build on your chain, you know, what is your team kind of telling them to, to consider and shoot for as they build games and build products to, to enable success? Is anyone giving the right advice right now? hundred percent. I mean, I think, when you look at what our, our pitch is right now, a lot of it is still about how we can onboard Web2 users to Web3 in a simple and easy way, because that's still a challenge, right? So like that's part one. And then part two on kind of my side on the NFTs and kind of loyalty, memberships, kind of everything in that manner, we still have... Uh, we have an interesting and new problem that exists in this world with customer acquisition costs. So because Apple shut down the entire marketing world as we knew it, customer acquisition is way more expensive through Instagram, Facebook, Google, across the board, because uh, attribution is that much harder. And what actually makes Web3 interesting in all of my pitches is that the wallet as um, a new type of cookie, if you will, right? Like your wallet is, you can connect it to your CRM, you know about your customer, they have assets, you can build loyalty around them. It becomes this new portal where it becomes cheaper to acquire customers in the long run than the current forms. And so that's really where we are focusing on is taking a look at like in gaming, how do you create user profiles and, 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 and kind of player settings um, and loyalty on how, what you've played, what your feature sets, like all of those things work. Um, and then the same thing for sports brands, for music festivals, everything is moving um, away from what we had in kind of like the early 2000s, which was this idea of net promoter score. That's the thing that like Boston Consulting Group has really pitched and promoted that all brands need to focus on. 
And I don't know about you guys, but you know, you get those emails afterwards of rate one to 10. That doesn't tell me anything about the company. It doesn't do anything. But these new loyalty platforms that people are making allow a brand to resell you more often and they're not paying to reacquire you. And so this version of this next version of NFTs, I believe, is going to be like utility based that are connected to tickets, connected to like the, the food and merch that you buy, right? Like you, you go to these events and you go to experience these things, there has to be some sort of record to it. And that's, that's really what we're talking to, uh, to big brands about. Cause, and we're talking to institutional level brands, not retail brands anymore. Why does that record need to be public? Right, which is what the blockchain does, right? Like these companies have records now. Like give them access to your email, right? They they can they can get access to a lot more information than a bunch of JPEGs you own in a wallet. I, I go back to that original question of like, we're helping them onboard people into web three. Why is that a problem that they care about as a web two brand? So the right now the web two part is the CRM connection, right? Which which exists and that that's been solved. But there's definitely a desire to try to win over Gen Z that they can't market to in the way they marketed web two platforms. They don't use email as much as they use phone numbers. Okay. Um, you know, it's, 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 it's a multitude of different problems um, where web three is a potential solution across all of it. Right. I'm not mm -hmm. saying it's the best solution right now. I'm not saying it's um, the only solution. I think it may, and it depends on what type of brand you are that it makes sense to do something in Web 3.4. Um, okay, Goldberg, for final, I know we're wrapping up on time here. What would you say are like the final words for, or like your final words at this current point for where the community is right now, for the community, the fans of Swoops, like, is there hope for the future? Where are we? What's like, what's ahead right now? And is it, how much is like up in the air? So listen, startups die 99% for one reason, because they run out of cash, which is the situation that we find ourselves in, right? Like. We have an incredible team that's been reduced. We have an incredible community and we have a product though not finished that that a core group of users love. And so we either need, we need to basically find a way to extend that life. You know, there's still a chance though at every day it gets smaller that a white knight investor shows up or a white knight acquirer shows up. And then we have some conversations with the community itself around maybe how can we get creative uh, to keep this going. Now, the reality is we can keep it going, but we would not be able to execute on the pretty ambitious roadmap that we have because that takes resources, engineers, money, time, totally. none of which we really have. Yep. Gotcha. Um, okay. Everybody, thank you so much for tuning in. Any other last words, uh, Alex, Anoop, any other final words? I was just going to say one thing. Um, Next week, we should talk a little bit about AI. Have, has anyone here gotten the Ray-Ban Meta glasses? Oh, I was just going to order them. Okay. They're, they're awesome. Like, you got them? They, they're a, it's literally a computer. It's literally like you're like Tony Stark. And it's did, like, did you just order them off the website? Or like, how did you get some I, sort of like? I ordered them off the website. They're, they're so, OK. It's not the one. And I know we got to go. It's You can take photos. You can live stream. You take videos. Um, but you could talk to the AI and be like, oh, yeah. what's the capital of Alabama? And it will just like shoot it right in your ear. There's no viewfinder yet. They said that that's coming next, uh, 2015, uh, 2025, sorry. Um, and that will be like straight up, like, you yeah. know, 
They're going to find a way to sell you five of those in the next couple of years. Just yeah, but dude, it's it's cool. The crazy. It, it's two ninety nine. Yeah, yeah, it's two ninety nine. It's three hundred bucks. And we dropped the, the link in the comments of where you bought it. I'm trying to find it. Right it's now. just a Ray Ban website. Literally, go to Ray, just go Ray Ban Meta, and your 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 Ray Ban Meta. And and also, it was I when I got it. Like this was one of the first tech products that my wife's like, "Can I order them too?" Like, and yeah. that was interesting. Um, as a, but we could talk about it because because there's that. There's also you know there's a new Beatles song coming, like a, a legitimate Beatles song. Not AI Beatles, but like which one? John, you, which one did you buy, Alex? Uh, a bunch of them are sold out, so I just got one of um, the whatever, whatever, like black on black, I think. But there's there's this a new Beatles song, an original Beatles song that John uh, did the the voice for, but they couldn't isolate it until AI was available, and then uh, Paul did whatever and george before he died did something and it's an original beatles song that's gonna be released i think in the next month or two um using ai but not ai like the drake song it's like ai to actually make it happen so i think we should talk a little ai next week because there's some cool stuff coming uh that sounds like a great idea all right let's let's uh, let's dig in um all right so i'm sorry so one last thing drew yeah, um you know we're gonna do the scoop with the new one which nft mints that you should be minting next week Okay, here we go. <laughs> scoop of the new. Scoop of the new. Sorry, we don't have time. We don't have time today for the scoop. We don't have time. We don't have time today for scoop of the new. Thank you all for tuning in. Make sure to like and subscribe. Um, we're going to be doing this every week, Friday one o'clock, live with live with the uh, with the community that we're building here. Um, it's on. We're also published on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. That'll be all released within the next twenty four hours, and we'll see you again next Friday at one o'clock. Thank you.